having a little microphone difficulties this morning. I already broke one, so praise God, we're on the second one. So praise God. Uh, I want you to get your Bibles out this morning. Oh, come on, church. Get your Bibles out this morning. You should be excited to go to the Word of God. That's why we do that. I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. Now, I'm going to tear right into this thing because I've got a lot I want to say this morning. And I'm going to be praying for you at the end of service. And so I'm believing for miracles. Um, so, you know, you don't have to be, you don't even have to be very spiritually discerning to look around at what's going on in the world today and see that something is really wrong. Can I have an amen? amen. I mean, we've got. On, on, on natural sides, you've got floods in places that shouldn't have floods. You've got droughts in places that shouldn't have droughts. You've got, you know, hurricanes. We've got earthquakes. We've got, you know, all these things going on. Things that you don't even see in the normal news because they're all too busy about fighting about the Democrats and the Republicans, you know, so they're only putting out that kind of stuff. And nobody telling you about all the millions of people starving to death all over the world, you know, and things that are going on outside of our normal realm. And so there's all these things going on. We just had a, 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 a historic event with a peace treaty sign uh, between, you know, the, 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 the Arabs and, um, and Israel. You know, this is a historic, historic thing for this to be done. Uh, we've got all kinds of things going on in the world right now. There's all kinds of signs and wonders. And so, you know, as I, I try to be very, very sensitive because I don't want to be a pastor who preaches just because there's a problem out there. I want to preach to you and tell you what I believe that I'm hearing from the Spirit of God. It's coming hot off the press from the throne. I don't want to just get caught up in, you know, politics or anything like that. But I, I have been listening to probably more YouTubes, more things, trying to find out what are other preachers saying? What's going on? What, what's taking place out there in the world? And I'm shocked. I'll be honest with you. I'm just shocked. I, you know, because I'm just kind of a little naive country boy. And I just believe that, you know, that God's good, and the devil's bad, and, you know, we ought to go to church and read the Bible, and that's it. You know what I mean? I, I, and, 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 and I find out what's going on. I find out what pastors are doing. I'm appalled. I've always known, and I've told you all this before. Whenever I've traveled all over the world, I never told anybody I was a pastor. Because, you know, immediately I say that on an airplane or whatever, everybody's like, well, pastors, you know, because you know. somewhere somebody's got burnt by some church or some pastor somewhere, somehow, because the guys are not very bright. And so I start finding out and I'm hearing all this stuff and I'm just like, shock, could this really be the American church? Is this really where the American church is going to find out that the topics that they're told not to preach because they may lose, they may lose uh, parishioners. Okay. I'm hearing all these things about topics that pastors never touch. I'm talking about that they should never use more than two scriptures in their sermon because that would, you know, people could be offended. And you don't want to offend people because they're trying to draw numbers. Well, listen to me. I want to draw numbers because I want to reach people, right? But I, I am not going to compromise the gospel. There's no way. Y'all know me too well for the 27 years I've pastored here. There's no way I'm backing off the word of God. And a matter of fact, I have been accused of using too much word. And so I'm like, well, I don't know how I could use too much words, you know. And so anyway, I preached Wednesday night a message that um, I, I felt like that the Lord was leading me into today. And, and it's going to take a few weeks to get this all laid out. But uh, 
And it's called the Lion and the Lamb. I think that's what we titled it, the Lion and the Lamb. The Lion's about to roar. There you go. That sounds better. And so, and I was saying that, you know, we look at Jesus all the time, and so many people have the imagery of Jesus that it's, it's Jesus, the Lamb of God, you know, and they're thinking Lamb, tender, but if you go back and you look at the scriptures and you read, you know, even in the book of Revelation, when Jesus comes back, he's coming with a rod of iron in his hand to rule the nations. All right. And it says he himself will tread out the winepress of the wrath of God. All right. So Jesus is coming back. He's not going to come back as the lamb. He's coming back as the lion of Judah. OK. And so Jesus is like a coin with two sides to it. Yes, there is the tender side of the lamb, but there is the other side that he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the lion of God going to come down and, and with the rod in his hand. Amen? Amen. Now, most people don't want to talk about the lion because everybody's hoping for the lamb. But I just believe that, and I'm just saying this is just thus Robert, saith Robert Richards, okay? I'm not saying, you know, I ain't throwing yay, hey, thus saith the Lord in here. I'm just saying, I just believe that the lion is about to roar. I believe that that just like a cat getting up and starting to stretch and get out there, I think Jesus is kind of clearing his throat <clears throat> and he's about to roar. Because if he isn't, I mean, if he, you know, I, I'm sure I feel very, a very, very small part of the disgust that he would feel because he knows everything going on and I know only a little. But I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted with what's going on. I can't believe that people are, are doing what they're doing. But anyway... It says in Proverbs 28, 1, when the wicked flee, no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. So if the lion of God is about to roar, then what he's looking for is radical Christians. Here, listen to me. He's looking for radical Christians, not off the head goofy. I ain't talking goofy Christian. I'm talking a radical Christian. When I met Jesus and Jesus touched my heart and he and I got saved and my life got turned around, I became a radical Christian. Not I didn't go by, cut me out of bed sheet and get me a big tambourine and get one of them big family Bibles and stand on the street corner and go to rattling, you know, and selling candles. I didn't do that. What happened to me was that my views and my ways of looking at things and my ways of, of, of understanding things completely radically changed. What was important to me before now wasn't important. And what over here that I never even thought about, I was starving, hungry for it. Never read the Bible in my life. But all of a sudden I couldn't put it down. That's radical Christianity. And, we've met, and, and obviously we've got too many Christians that are I don't know what you want to call it. Apathetic, lame, defeated, unpracticing their Christianity. They just got saved, got them a little insurance card to say they wouldn't burn in hell. And they're and they're just carrying that fire insurance around and they're not concerned about anything else and just going on. And oh, well, whatever happens, happens. And that's not what God called us to be in this life. He called us into this life to advance his kingdom on this earth, to bring about into the understanding of other people about Jesus. Amen. So if you want to go listen to that message, it's already out and you can go listen to it because I can't go through that or I will never, ever even get even close to get started with where I'm going today. OK, so the other day, just to explain this whole thing, and I'm going to date myself here and I'm sorry, I don't like to be an old man and date myself, but I'm going to date myself here. You know, I was I got saved in 1985. And so prior to 1985, I had never listened to any 
music other than country and western. Uh, that's not truly totally, totally. A little bit of the Doobie Brothers, you know, a little bit of ACDC, a little bit of that kind of stuff in high school, you know, a little uh, Credence, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I, you know, I got, never did get into hard rock, but I listened to some of that stuff. But I'd never, I mean, church music, yeah, I mean, my parents forced me to go to church and I heard hymns and stuff like that. But I mean, you don't listen to that stuff outside of church. <laughs> Hello? Nobody, I did not have an eight track with, you know, the world's greatest hymns or something like that that I played. No, you know, because, dude, I had eight tracks. Wish I still had them, but I had eight tracks. And so this is the kind of music I listen to. Then I get saved. I get radically saved. I'm hungry for Jesus. I'm going out there. So then, you know, my wife, of course, she's always been music, you know, playing the piano and everything like that. So so we start finding out that there's another genre of music out there, Christian music, that we didn't even know existed. I never even knew it existed. But it was the early stuff, you know, like the Maranatha the praise, uh, the vineyard music, you know. It was the real, a little more than I would call kumbaya music, you know, but it was still just kind of this sway and kind of sweet little songs and all like this kind of stuff, right? And so... And about, about in the mid-80s there at some time, a singer came out. His name was Carmen. And Carmen started doing a bunch of songs, and it was like rap-type songs, and they did a song called The Champion and, and some other things, and they were completely different songs. Well, I fell in love with them because it was totally different radical music, you know, I mean, for, for me. And it wasn't worship-type stuff. It wasn't the, 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 you know, the Bethel and the Hillsong kind of stuff we sing today. It was its own kind of genre of music. And so there was a song called Radically Saved. And I love this song. It was a real bluesy, man, it had a great rhythm to it. Man, I love this song. And so I played it over and over and over and over again. And so there's this one part in the song, in the chorus, that it says, black is black and white is white. Hell is hot and sin ain't right. And God is holy and Christ is coming and righteousness will prevail. Well, that stuck in my head, and I used it. I man, I all the time I would say that. I'd say that just stuck with me from this song. Okay, and if you want to go look it up, just go up on YouTube. It's on there. Radically Saved by Carmen, and uh, so this those those lyrics just stuck with me. Well, the other day, I, I mean, so then you know, times pass and everything changes, and I, I quit listening to Carmen. Uh, it went, uh, I forgot all about him, forgot all about the songs we went on and this and that and the other, and things changed in life. And I'm driving down the road the other day, and the Holy Ghost just, boom, hit me. I actually had just got through doing a funeral and was just kind of prayerfully leaving the funeral, the graveside, and in my truck, just kind of prayerfully there, and the Holy Ghost just hit me. He said, I want you to preach that, that, those lyrics. And I'm like, how did it go? I mean, I was like, how did it go? And it just came back to me, boom, you know? And I was like, holy cow, okay. And so then I went home, got the song, had to find it on YouTube and listen to it, you know? And, and, uh, and I was just shocked. And I started laughing at myself because it made me stop and think about how radical my wife and I became. I mean, you got to understand something. I was a barroom fighting, beer drinking, tobacco chewing cowboy. All right. Nothing gave me more joy. I didn't go to a dance on a Saturday night to dance. I went to the dance on a Saturday night to get in a fight. OK, there wasn't anything about, you know, you, you, the girl, if she was a good girl. She'd stay there and by the fight was over going, you know, and be there when it's over with. And so 
And then the next thing I know, man, I'm going to go to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm running up to my wife as I still do today. Look at what it says right here. I'm still doing that, aren't I? And I had a scripture that I said, look what it said right here. I got it underlined up here and I missed it. And look what that says. I'm still doing it. But I would run up there. She would be just like trying to take care of the kids and get the house. And I said, look, oh, my God, look what it says right here. I didn't know it said this. Nobody told me. <laughs> left the whole business, left everything, left every change, everything in our whole life. Turned 180 degrees running for Jesus. Amen. All because of what Jesus did. He touched my heart and he changed my life. And it was the whole world was open to me. All right. So I know what it's like to live radically. And as I was living that, as I was watching that video and listening to it, it hit me as like, man, that was so radical. And I thought, are there radical Christians today? And I got to thinking about y'all, and I know y'all's story, and there's so many of y'all have the exact same story, but as we go along in life, we tend to get older, and then we tend to just, now it's, we're not radical anymore, it's just who we are. And so you don't, you're not perceiving yourself as radical until you look at some of the other yahoos out there, and you're like, holy cow, you did that? I mean, everybody knows don't do that. <laughs> are y'all with me? And so... But I got to think, is there a new generation of radical Christians coming? Are there radical young people who are willing to give up everything to serve Jesus because he's touched their life and changed them and they can seem as the glowing fire of their whole life and everything about their life? That's what I'm preaching about this morning. Because if we're going to see the United States changed, we're going to see this nation get on track. We're going to see people quit doing all the horrible, horrendous things they're doing. Well, then it's going to have to take radical Christianity to do it. Nothing but a revival of radical Christianity can do it. And we've got to be willing to go. Okay, so here I go. First one of of those verses was black is black and white is white. Now, I'm not taking, don't take me out of text and don't put me out there because I'm not saying anything racial here. Black is black and white is white. Wow, you know, black is black and white is white. Your Bible is black and white. There ain't no gray in there. There's no gray areas in there. You either believe the Bible is true or you don't. Right. It either is true or it's not. Well, I don't know. You know, sometimes you got to some people go out and study their whole life to try to figure out a way around the Bible. I mean, they get the different translations and all this because they want the Bible to say something else than what it says, because they want to do what they want to do. And they don't want to be convicted by the word of God. Say anything for them or not to. Now, listen to me. In this message today, I'm preaching to you. There is no condemnation coming out of my mouth nor my heart. It's conviction of the Holy Ghost. Okay, I want to explain something to you. If you want to know what sin is, sin is anything the Holy Spirit convicts you of and you don't stop. I've preached this and preached this and preached this. You cannot put sin in a box and sell it and say there's only these four or five sins. No, it's whatever the Holy Spirit is convicting you of and you're not. Repenting of it. Hello? That's what's sin. So with that in mind, the Bible convicts people because people, the Bible's, folks, listen to me. You've got to understand something. Everything going on in the world, I'm going to shout this from the housetops. Everything going on in the world has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with stopping Christianity. 
I'm telling you that the, 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 the don't sing in churches is all about stopping Christianity. The COVID virus and what they're using is they're trying to gain ground. The demonic forces in this world are trying to gain ground in stopping the church of the Lord Jesus Christ from going forward. Because you don't know what persecution is, man. The, the, the churches in China right now and, 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 and different parts of the world, it's horrible things going on, folks. There are horrible things going on. In Iran right now, there are Christians in Iran. There are Christians who love God with all of their heart. No, Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior in Iran. And if they're found out, they're killed. All right. So what I'm saying to you is you can't just tie it into our little hometowns. You know, there's more going on in the world. But I'm telling you that the demonic forces in this world want to stop the, the church. They want to stop the American church right now. They want God out of it. And the reason why they want God out of it is because when God's in it, they're convicted that what they're doing is wrong. And if they remove God from it, they don't have to be convicted. So you're the target. Listen to me. It's not the... It's not the Jewish people on this round that they're going to load up on the trains and send to the concentration camps. It's the Christians. You're the target. You're the evil. You're the one they got to get rid of. And we got to wake up. Churches got to wake up. And these pastors who are tippy-toeing around issues have got to start preaching the word of God. And this is the word of God. And you can't come at, well, you know, in some ancient manuscripts, it doesn't say that's in there on the floor. This one over here. Man, and just researching this message almost almost got nauseated and threw up because I found article after article everything trying to disprove what I was preaching to you this morning. And they have all this like evidence and all these little things that make it look like they know what they're talking about. And it's lies from the pit of hell out there to deceive people. We have an old covenant, we have a new covenant. Okay? Black is black and white is white. That's the way it is. And the old covenant was a type and a shadow of the new covenant to come. Hello? But you know something, the Ten Commandments aren't done away with because we have a new covenant. You know, I want to say this and, and hear me. And again, do not take this and take it out of text. Just hear me. If there was no God, there is, but I'm saying if there was no God, I would still want to live like I live. I just believe being good's better than being bad. I just believe that the Ten Commandments are pretty good moral laws to stand by anyway. Hello? I believe that you shouldn't, you know, uh, covet another man's property and shouldn't steal another man's wife and shouldn't shouldn't kill, steal, murder. I, I believe it's wrong to go loot stores. I believe it's better to earn your money honestly. Are you following me? There's certain things in the old covenant that, and, and just taking the Ten Commandments. Right. And just looking at them saying they're a good way to live. Hello. So my point is, is that when you look at the old covenant, and you look at the new covenant, the new covenant is by the blood of Jesus. But that still doesn't negate everything in the old covenant. There's no grace, cheap grace excuse you in life for going out and robbing, killing, stealing, looting, doing whatever you want to go do. And then say, oh, it's all under the blood. I'll just ask for repentance later. OK. The new covenant is about the blood of Jesus. And it's still white as white and black as black. Or black as black and white as white. It's still there. There's no way around it. If you're going to believe the word of God's true, you have to believe it all. You cannot take out any part. So when it says love your neighbor, you got to love them. Hello? And everything else in here goes along with it. That's the first foundational thing you got to get in your life straight. That it's black and white. 
There is no gray. If the Bible says do it, do it. Don't try to explain your way around it so that you can get out of doing it because you really don't want to do it. But let me show you some others that, that you can get around. No, listen, honestly, you go in there and you look under the old covenant. Old covenant had all these things about things you shouldn't eat. Right? Okay, now I may get myself in trouble with this. Dr. Brownie's over there eyeballing me right now. I can see him looking out the corner of my eye. I'll look over here. I have to look at him. But there's all these things like you shouldn't eat. All right? Now, I don't know, and there's all kinds of things about mercury and fish and this and that and the other, you know, but they say that if it, if it doesn't have scales on it, you're not supposed to eat it. You know, like you're not supposed to eat pork, no bacon, you know, because the pig's got a split hoof, but he doesn't chew his cud. But then in the New Testament, the whole sheet came down from Peter, uh, in front of Peter, and, and, and there was all these unclean animals, which could have been a shrimp and a pig, because there were two unclean animals, right? Like, ain't nobody going to eat a hawk. A hawk is an unclean animal, you're not supposed to eat it, but you don't go, it's not hawk season. <laughs> Hello? We don't want to eat a hawk. So nobody cares about that, but you know, bacon and shrimp. Okay. So the, the sheet comes down and, and he says, okay, you know, it's okay, kill it and eat it because it's uh, whatever I've called clean is clean. And then Paul goes on and talks about that there's nothing really unclean. And then Jesus himself says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles man, it's what comes out. I'm not saying that shrimp couldn't have mercury in it and bacon couldn't have too much cholesterol and all that kind of stuff like that. Forget about that. Point being, some things in the Old Testament do change with the New but that doesn't take out the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments didn't change. Because the commandment in the New Covenant is love, love, love. Hello? So people want to twist things around so they don't want to do that. So they try to take it. We've got to, in this day, rightly divide the word of truth. Now, you're never going to know what the Bible says unless you read it. And you better quit listening to what somebody else said, even including myself. Let me give you inspiration, but you better go read it for yourself. You better study it out for yourself and find out what's really the truth. And the only way you're going to do this is sit down and read it. And wow, you have read Harlequin romance novels thicker than this baby. Hey, let me get down here. You know, here's the New Testament. Just what's left here. Huh? Just that. Wow. You're going to stumble all your life because you can't sit down and discipline yourself to read that much of the Bible. Shame, shame, shame. Black is black and white is white. Next verse goes, hell is hot and sin ain't right. So I'm going to preach right now. Y'all just get ready. I'm, I'm gonna, I want to preach about hell. Nobody's preaching about hell. Nobody's talking about hell. Preachers, they said, do not say anything about hell in a service because everybody's going to leave. All right. So I pray you love me. Pray you don't turn me off. But just listen to me because this is the greatest love message I've ever preached. What hell is, is eternal separation from God. Now, there is all kinds of things out there, folks. I'm telling you, when I was on the Internet, I was shocked at all the things trying to disprove what I'm telling you right now. But let's just go to the Word. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7. That's where I want to start. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7. And to you, no, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the all of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day and to be glorified in his in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. The apostle Paul said in the church at, at Thessalonica that when Jesus is coming back, he's coming back and it's going to, what hell is, is separating people from the presence of almighty God. It's a place without God's presence. It's a place without any good. It's a place that God doesn't exist. That's what hell is. It's not having any goodness there, not having any light, any love, any grace, any mercy, anything. It's void of God's presence. Have you ever walked into a business, walked into a place, and, and you kind of got the willies, you know, because it didn't feel right in there? Okay, well, that place still had the presence of God because God did not totally vacate this whole world. So imagine how bad hell feels when God's not anywhere around. All right? Now, here you go. This is, y'all going to like this. Matthew 13, 36. Jesus in his ministry preached a lot on hell, a lot on being separated from the presence of God. He preached a lot on it, almost as much as he did on love. But nobody wants to say that. So I think it's pretty important that what almost 50% of Jesus' ministry we ought to talk about a little bit and get straight. Amen? Matthew 13, 36. It's the story of the wheat and the tares, but let's, let's look at what Jesus says. Jesus sent the multitude away and he went into the house. And the disciples came to him and said, explain to us this parable of the tares in the field. And he answered and he said, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is of the world. And the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the field, so it will be at the end of this age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of the kingdom all things that offend those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous shall shine forth as the sun of the kingdom of their father, and he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said it. Jesus said there's a separation between righteous and unrighteous. And the place that the unrighteous go to, he says it's got fire, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. That means they're gritting their teeth and... Hello? So I was reading this. And I, it's something I never really thought about. I just looked it up. What are tares? You know? I mean, we grew wheat when we farmed. And, and, and I was thinking, what are tares? And so I started looking it up and trying to research this. And so I found this, and I just started laughing, okay? In the, in the Middle East, tares are a certain seed that is called a mimic weed, okay? And it's called darnel. And Darnell's a mimic wheat that's neither entirely tame or entirely wild. It's a seed that, that no one ever took and cultivated, you know, because you've got to imagine thousands of years of cultivation. You took wheat, planted wheat, got more wheat seeds, took those wheat seeds, got all the chaff out, got everything out, planted those next seeds, kept going over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. But this Darnell seed, they didn't do it because it's a black seed. And when the black seed, the husk of it has a toxin in it that when you when you bite it and eat it, it, it causes you to become dizzy, like drunk, like you're woo. 
And so they didn't want it in the wheat. So nobody cultivated Darnell. They never did anything with it. But it's a seed that wants to be cultivated, but then it really doesn't want to be cultivated. Scientists have tried to mess with it, and it's like, oh, yes, yeah, we want, to, we want some attention. No, I don't want that much attention. That's what this seed does. And they call it a mimic weed. Okay, it looks much like wheat, but it can't live without human assistance. In other words, it needs human cultivation, somebody to pull the weeds out from around it, somebody to maybe put some water on it, but yet it doesn't really want, it just wants some help, but it, don't, it wants to do its own thing. There are also those weeds are stowaways. The plant's survival strategically requires its seed to be harvested along with those of the domesticated grasses stored or replanted the next season. So the only way it's really going to survive is that it sneaks into the wheat and it wants to get cultivated so that then it can reproduce. And Jesus says, oh yeah, the enemy sowed those tares. In other words, there's people among us that are saying, oh yeah, I'm wheat. I'm a wheat seed. I look like wheat. I'm a little different, but you got to love me anyway. But they're a mimic seed. They want some help, but they don't really want help. In other words, they, they, they want God to maybe deliver them from hell, but they don't really want to do anything God says because they want to do it their way. Let me read you another one. It's still in Matthew 13, verse 47. Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, it, it drew to the shore. They sat down, they gathered the good into vessels, but they threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from the just and cast them in the furnace of fire where they should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I got again here a verse. Jesus saying there's a hell. Now, see here, folks, this is where things change. Because like I said, I went on the Internet and I found. Like somebody who tried to make it all look good, you know, like they were like a real studied person with all this int- information about, you know, the, 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 that there is no hell and this and that and the other. But if you're going to believe the Bible's true, then what are we going to do about this? Jesus says there's a hell. Jesus says there's a place that you're eternally separated from the presence of Almighty God. Let me read you another one, Matthew 25. These are all Jesus' words. This is not Robert's words. This is not the doctrine of Living Waters Church that we make up. No, this is the word of God that we stand on. Matthew 25, 31. Now it says, when the, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his holy angels with him, he will sit, the thrones, sit, them, sit on the throne of glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a sheep divides as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on the right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? Or a stranger take you in naked and clothe you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will say, surely I say, and as much as you've done to one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. All right? So those guys got good. Then he'll say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. Now, notice this. 
prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and did not take me in naked. And you didn't visit me in prison and you did not visit me. And then he says, and now they'll answer, Lord, when did this happen? And he said, surely I say to you, and as much as you did it unto the least of one of these, you did not do it unto me. Go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous and eternal life. Jesus, again, put a separation here that there was a certain amount of people that, that, that the righteous are going to go to heaven and the unrighteous are going to go to hell or separation from God's presence. It also says that hell was never prepared for people. It was always prepared for the devil. But because mankind won't accept God and won't accept his ways and want to do things their own way, then there's no other option. Hear what I'm saying? There's no other option. Jesus said there's a broad way that leads to destruction, Matthew 7, and there's a narrow path that leads to righteousness. And if you want to go down the broad way with the crowd going to the end and falling off the cliff at the end of it, well, then you can do that. It's your free will. God's not going to force you to serve him. God's not going to force you to do right. God's not going to force you to walk righteously and be good. You have a free will. All of us do. All of mankind was created with the free will to choose to serve God. And if they choose to walk down the path, the wide path of destruction, it's not God's fault because he's prepared a narrow path. And given you a free will to choose to serve God and whatever he says goes. Not serve God if he'll do what you want him to. Come on. The problem in the world right now is people want to create their own agendas and do their own thing. And they want to write the word of God out and say, oh, well, you know, that was, oh, that was for an older time. That was for, you know, it's all for, you know, God's done. Yo, he's changed. You know, the world's so much more advanced now than when the Bible was written. And we've got to, no, it's either right or it's wrong, folks. Either what God's word says, it's all true or none of it's true. You cannot pick and choose. There are no gray areas. Hell is hot and sin ain't right. And people are walking in sin today, which I'm not calling out sins as, you know, you know, like I've always said, drinking, dancing, smoking and cussing. I haven't done, I'm not calling out just those those things. I'm saying things that the Holy Spirit, I guarantee, is convicting people is wrong. Folks, you can't murder babies and ever get away and say, well, you know, it's under the, you know. But I read an article of a pastor who's agreeing with the Democratic platform about full term abortions. And he's agreeing with it and saying, well, the Bible doesn't really say specifically about that. And I'm like, what happened to the Ten Commandments and murder? And I, I, I tell you, this guy's a well-known pastor, a church a lot bigger than mine and a string of doctorates bigger than mine. He looks sharper than I do, but he ain't got no sense. Hello? But the only thing I can get him on is I'm shoot straighter than he can. I know what the word of God says. So I'm one of the deplorables clinging to my Bible, and my guns. They call me deplorable. What? At least we got enough sense not to do the things y'all are doing. My point is, folks, the broad, the broad way to destruction is there, but man has a free will to change. And the devil wants to get your tail all in a knot. 
and get you all worried and focused on this and that and the other. And the bottom line is, is we're convicted by the Holy Ghost about something we're doing is wrong. You need to repent. Stay on the narrow path. Don't get over on the side. Live for the word of God. Are we going to do it perfect? No, we're going to make mistakes. Does that make us hypocrites? No, that makes us Christians. But Christians that are quick to repent. I make a mistake, I repent, I learn from my mistake, and I do the best I can not to do it again. And if I do it again, I say, Lord, I ain't learning too quick. Help me here. Get me right where I need to be. I'm not going to hell. There's Christians out there that think that because they, they created, committed a sin, that they're, then they're going to go to hell. And they're, they're all the time spending time saved and lost, saved and lost, saved and lost. No, man, you're either Christian Radical Christian wanting to live for Jesus, reading your Bible, going forth, repenting when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit. You're a radical Christian or you're not. and You're headed to hell. I said it. Luke 16, 19. Next scripture I want to give you. Luke 16, 19. People don't want to talk about hell today because they're scared to offend people. But talking about hell is the greatest love message that there is because I'm trying to tell you how to get out. I'm trying to tell you how to change your ways. I am telling you, if you're too hard headed to believe what God says, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to do with you. You got to get convicted by the Holy Ghost because I can't convict you. I'm not going to preach, the, you know, a dog and pony show up here to get you convicted. Right. You got to get convicted by the Holy Ghost. Luke 16, 19, the rich man in Lazarus. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at the gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm in torment in this flames. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good tidings and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you were tormented. And besides all this between us, there's a great gulf fixed that which you no one will pack can pass from here to from here to there. And you cannot from them pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, father, that you would send to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, father, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rise from the dead. Wow. So then what? Jesus is trying to say there to us is that if you're not convicted by the word of God, if you're not convicted by the preaching of the word, if you're not convicted by what's going on, then you wouldn't be convicted even if Jesus stood in front of you. That's a dangerous place to be. Now, listen to me. This is what sin does. Sin comes in and it hardens our heart. When you start walking in sin and making excuses for sin because you don't want to change because you want to do what you want to do and you don't want the conviction that the word of God and the Holy Spirit is giving you. You don't want to change in that conviction. You want to keep doing it and you keep doing it. What happens is your heart becomes hard so that you eventually come to a place where you're going to say, God, I don't want you in my life. 
And for that person, there's nothing left but hell, eternal separation from God. But that person made their choice by their free will. The whole time a loving God was trying to reach out and pull them in. The whole time he's trying to get them in, get them in, get them in, get them in. And they lost because of their free will, not because of the love of God. Are y'all following me? What I'm grieving about right now and what blows my mind is how people can walk in habitual sin and not be convicted about it and do something about it when it might take them eventually off the road and the path so far they can't find their way back. That scares me. It scares me when a person can just even take the Ten Commandments and, and just walk in the, against the Ten Commandments. Hello? And say, oh, well, you know, God's got grace. He'll take it. You know, he, he, it's okay. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, God still loves me. And just do like that because, folks, you're, you're, you're pushing God away. You're hardening your heart. And as much as you harden your heart, I'm telling you, if you don't repent, the only place left for you is eternal separation from God that we call hell. Let me just give you a few. I just got three. Three erroneous views of hell. The first one is, is there's a, it's out there in the world today. You can find it anywhere. And you just look at, it's called the second chance view. Okay? The second chance. In other words, after death, you, you still have a way to escape. So just live life like you want to. Just go out and, you know, enjoy whatever you want to do in life. Feed your flesh and do everything. Because when you get to the end, then you can say, oh, okay. I can choose door number one with God or door number two. I'll take one. People believe that. (laughs) They believe it. Well, if God's such a loving God, you know, then he, he, I I, want to, it'll be okay. He'll save me at the end. I mean, we got songs, folks, rockers singing about it. They're going to party down in hell with the devil. I think it's going to be a big party. I had a, actually had a human, a man, I'm telling you, wasn't a devil. It was a human being. <laughs> Tell me one time that he didn't know if he wanted to go to heaven. He was serious. He said, I don't really know if I want to go to heaven. I mean, why would I want to sit around on a cloud playing a harp all day long? And I said, you're the stupid. I told him this. I said, you're the stupidest man I've ever met. He said, no, man, I'm going to party down in hell. I said, you're the dumbest person I've ever met in my entire life. You are Mr. Stupido. (laughs) Can't get dumber than that. Your image of heaven is you're going to be sitting around playing a harp on a cloud? What kind of foolishness is that? But people believe stuff like that. They think... Hell's going to be this giant party. But no, hell is separation from God. God's not there. Okay? Hebrews 9, 7 says, appointed man wants to die, and then after that, the judgment. You don't get a choice. It's make your decision on earth. Make your decision today while you're alive. Don't put off tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow brings. The second one is universalism. Universalism says that basically... Jesus died on the cross and he saved all of the world. So we're all saved. And then when we get to heaven, God sorts it all out. So there's no hell for people to go to. The devil will go to hell. We all, everybody, everybody, Hitler, Napoleon, everybody's in heaven whooping it up. 
because God saved everybody. Well, the problem with that is you take the one verse that everybody knows, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him, oh, it says believe in him. Whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. Not everybody, but whoever would believe in him. So it's only those that believe in Jesus and are looking to Jesus as their Lord and Savior are going to go into eternity in heaven. All right. The, the third one here, which I kind of I thought was funny because this is depressing, is annihilationism. Now, annihilationism just simply means when a person dies, you're just like an animal. You're just dead. And I thought, wow, that's a depressing thought, because I'm telling you. That's just depressing. Ain't no way around it. If you're living under that and just saying, you know, oh, I'm just going to die and just stick me to the ground. That's it. I'm just dead and dead like an animal. So just enjoy the best you can. Eat more ice cream. Yeah, I'm definitely not listening to Dr. Brown if that is the truth. <laughs> Hello? Let's bring on the rocky road. <laughs> Are y'all hearing me this morning? So then people get in all kinds of crazy other thoughts. You know, hell's too severe of a punishment. God wouldn't do this and do that. But folks, Jesus preached it. Jesus said it. God said it. He put it into practice. Jesus himself laid it out. He said, hell is real. Our job as radical Christians should be to try to rescue as many people from the broad way that's leading to hell as we possibly can. That's our job as Christians. To tell people, you've got to make a good choice. You need to repent and don't go to hell because hell is going to be hell. And then we as Christians need to be careful to not let the devil at this time get us into a place where we are allowing sin in our life that's separating us from God so that we could ever get to the place that we've hardened our heart against God. Revelation says, listen to me, Revelation says that there's people, crazy people, lunatic people at the end that will look when the heavens roll back and look at the face of God and say, go from us. We don't want you. What? Happened with Jesus. He goes and casts the devil out of legion and the people all came out to see it. And then they saw the, the man was now healed and they saw Jesus and they said, depart from us. We don't want you. We don't want you. What? Folks, I don't know why. I, I'm telling you what. I, like I said, I had a rough start in life, but I want to tell you something. There's nothing that the world gave me that I that Jesus doesn't give me. You see what I'm saying? I, I, there's no way. It don't make any sense. I don't know why anybody even want to take a chance on going to hell. I don't know why anybody would want to say, "Well, I think I think we'll just I'll just go ahead and live my life, then I die, and I'll let God sort it out." What? You're an idiot. You don't know nothing. You don't know. Come here from Sickle, man. You don't even know how to get to the gate. All right. You need to wake up today and you need to hear the word and the conviction of God going out of this message today, folks. You need to hear it. And turn around and change. Matter of fact, you need to take friends that you know that need to hear this message. You need to get them out there and you need to take it over and put it on their, their phone or their iPad. And say, you need to listen to this. You need to hear this message today and get off the wrong path because I don't want to see anybody go to hell. Not when, any, when, when there's no need. You can change and repent. Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. And I want to tell you something. That means everybody has an opportunity. God so loved the world, the world, that he gave his only begotten son. But listen to me. There are people out there that have never been confronted with the true gospel. 
They're still believing in this doctrine, this, you know, it's this church doctrine or that church doctrine, this and that. They never read the Bible and don't know the truth. And it's our job to tell them the truth. It's our job to go out there. You're not going to beat them up with the word. That's not what it's about. It's about love saying, dude, you're going on the wrong path. Just tell people this. John 16 says that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction. You don't bring conviction. All you could bring was condemnation. You're such a sinner. You're a dirty dog. You're no good. Lying. Son of a motherless goat. That's all you are. No, you want the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When you say, look, brother, don't do what you're doing because, man, it's going to lead you into a bad place. Leave that other man's wife alone. Don't go there. Leave that alone because you're going to get yourself in a bad place. Don't curse Israel. Leave that alone. Stop, brother. Stop doing what you're doing. You need to just tell people this because that's going to harden your heart. It's going to separate you from God. And the only place left is hell and it's no party. And then the Holy Spirit can come in there and convict. The Holy Spirit can come in there and convict. Folks, listen to me, the most dangerous thing you can be doing right now is having unconfessed sin in your life. It's the most dangerous thing you can be doing. You might as well be walking around with a loaded gun, just flopping around, pointing at your head. Because what unconfessed sin does is unconfessed sin is that opening that allows the enemy to come in and torment you. Jesus said anything you confess, he forgives. Anything you repent of, he forgives. Amen. Amen. But you got to repent. You got to mean it. Not like, Dad, gummit, Lord, I hate that you put this one in there. But I mean, I tell you what, I guess if I got to repent, I'll do it. But I don't really like doing it. You don't have much. That's not much of a heart of repentance. <laughs> it's when you get in that situation and the Holy Spirit convicts you. You say, man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Lord, forgive me. That was wrong. Lord, forgive me for that thought. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have let myself go down that path. All you're doing is open up the door and let the devil torment you more. You got to repent. Let him cleanse you. Ah, oh, to be clean by the blood of Jesus feels so good. I blew it the other day. I had to repent. I blow it all the time. I don't, I don't care. But I, I mean, I don't care that you know. I don't attempt to act like I'm perfect. But I blew it pretty good. And so, man, I woke up 2.30 in the night, tormented by my thoughts, tormented by what I'd done, felt remorse, but, you know, it's still there. And then I started repenting then. And I woke up the next morning, still felt a little dirty, repent, got down and said, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I should have never taken those thoughts. should have never done that. I shouldn't have done that. I repent. Lord, I'm sorry. And then I went and, and, I, and then I repented a third time. Because I just felt like I still just had a little bit of junk following me around. And so then, and then you know, I got to feeling the cleansing power of God coming upon me because he knew my heart. I messed up. Took about three times, and all of a sudden I feel clean, feel good, feel everything's okay, life's better, man, brighter, happier. <laughs> I'm going on. Got past that one. I ain't going to do that again. Boy, I don't like that. Hello? That's how we have to live, folks. Radical Christianity. Amen. So put your Bibles up. I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you out there watching because I can't pray. I can't preach a message on hell and then not help you get out of hell. So if you're out there watching or you're in here in the building and I want you to understand, you can be delivered. All you have to do is make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. All you have to do is turn and repent. That's it. Say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. 
So if you're out there watching by video, listen to me right there, wherever you are, you can just turn right there into your house. You can get on your knees if you want to. You can sit right there on the couch if you want to, wherever you are. And you can just truly from the depths of your heart say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my life to wash me in the blood of Jesus and make me whole and clean. And right then he will do that for you. Amen. So y'all, everybody in here, stand up if you would. Let me have my prayer team come down. If you're in here today, listen to me. I'm not big on, 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 on having you confess your sins to one another. You can if you want to. If you've got a friend you want to confess your sins one to another, that's fine. We're up here to pray for if you want prayer. But let me tell you this. If you're convicted right now as I've preached this message to anyone out there watching or anyone in here, and you're convicted about something in your heart, and you know what you've been doing is wrong, and the Holy Ghost is needling you about it, then you need to repent. You need to repent. I'm going to pray for you, but you got to do the repenting. I cannot take it away. I cannot throw enough holy oil on you to get you holy. You've got to get holy by faith and prayer in Jesus. Amen? If you're in here and you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. This message today has got you convicted in your heart, and you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. You're not sure that you're right with God. Well, then that's why we're up here to pray for you. We want to pray with you because the Bible says if you repent, you will be saved. End of story. Hello? So if that's you in here today, we want to pray with you. For all the rest of you, I'm going to pray right now that you be radical Christians. That this message today, I'm going to throw the heat down on you, folks. I'm telling you, I'm praying for the conviction of God upon each and every one of us. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor. Because that's what we need is the conviction of God within our lives. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray over every person here, every person watching, every person in this building. I pray the convicting power of God upon us, Lord God. Holy Spirit, convict us of our sin. Convict us of what we're doing wrong. Convict us how we're getting onto the wide path and getting off of the narrow path. Convict us because, Lord, we don't want our hearts to be hard because we don't want to end up going to hell. We want to serve you, Lord, all the days of our life. So we want a fresh anointing with the Holy Spirit. I pray it upon every one of us, a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we will be walking with you like we should be. Lord, right now I pray if there's anyone in here that they're not sure if they'd go to heaven, Lord, that they come down up front and pray with us, that the conviction of God to be upon them, that this day they would make heaven their home and deny the fires of hell. And Lord, I thank you for it. I praise you for it. Bless them, Lord, and keep this message in our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here to pray for you if you want prayer.